Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think honesty and straightforwardness is really the only path in the entrepreneurial world. Like you don't have time to talk about your feelings a lot and you'll never survive if you're doing it that way, at least in the CPG world, everyone has to be really straightforward, give really direct feedback or else you're never gonna move at the pace you need to to succeed. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Will Nitza. Will is the founder and CEO of IQ Bar. This is a maker of plant-based protein bars. Will started his company as a crowdfunding campaign and raised over $70,000. Now you can find IQ Bars at over 4,000 CVS stores, including Amazon, Walmart, and Kroger. Even though Will is a thriving young entrepreneur, he doesn't let his personal life suffer. Instead, he says it's essential always to align your business path with your lifestyle. In this episode, we talk about the benefits and downsides of crowdfunding, what it's like doing business in a competitive space, such as the consumer product area, the growing pains of entrepreneurship, and how to make sure your business ambitions are aligned with your personal lifestyle. Will is very candid and open in this episode, and he talks about the challenges of growing and scaling a business. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Let's talk with Will. Hey, Will, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm really interested in learning more about your business. But before I do that, I'd love to just learn a little bit about you. Can you share a little bit about yourself? And and then what is your business, what you're doing now? Sure, sure. Uh, I'm a relatively young guy, 31-year-old, uh, live in Boston, about to get married on New Year's Eve, which will be a big life event. But yeah, in, in terms of the business, I run a business called IQ Bar, where we sell plant-based protein bars. We just launched hydration stick packs. So the overarching goal of the company is, or purpose of the company is to produce uh, brain plus body nutrition products. So we, we hope to span you know, the whole day, basically, from breakfast to sleep. Uh, we started with bars, we're moving into hydration and you know, next, we may go into energy or sleep or, you know, any any number of categories. And the company's based in Boston as well. Very cool. In terms of like brain-based food, can you like dig in? Is it going to make us smarter? Is it going to keep us more energized? I mean, what's your take on like brain-based type products? Yeah, so I mean, I think the biggest impact really is macronutritional from that standpoint. So I think a lot of people get uh, bent out of shape over micronutrients and compounds when in reality, taking care of macronutrients and sources of macronutrients alone is 
the biggest thing you can do for your brain. I mean, you know, more specifically, if you consume a lot of healthy fats and protein and very few carbs, your brain's going to work better. So that's really the brain food, quote unquote, can be eating avocados. And if you're a meat eater, you know, lean meats and you're not, you know, a lot of green leafy vegetables. And um, if you're going to eat carbs, eat, you know, try to weight those towards fiber. And that's going to help your brain. Uh, basically by not spiking glucose and crashing your brain and and uh, rinsing and repeat every day. But um, we also do get into the micronutrient space and in centering our products on the things that have been shown to be good for the brain. So for example, flavonoids is a, a polyphenol. It's a compound that's basically what makes fruits and vegetables uh, colorful. And it's really good for your brain in a number of ways, uh, anti-inflammatory, tracks down and eliminates free radicals, et cetera, et cetera. So we center our products on things like that, vitamin E, omega-3s, lion's mane, which is a mushroom, adaptogen uh, mushroom. But again, I think, you know, for, for the average person, like, you know, macronutrients, getting your macronutrients right. And then if you, you, you get that right, moving on to the micronutrients, um, we'll get you pretty far. So plant-based, the fact that you went plant-based on your your bar, is there a reason for that? I mean, is that just plant-based tends to be healthier or does it have something to do with the brain connection? Or I'm just curious, what is the angle on that? Not to be completely honest, not that's not the primary purpose of going plant-based. I think you could have an animal-based product that is still a quote-unquote brain food product. It's more so just where the wind is blowing. I mean, it's it's more environmentally friendly. People want it more. Their demand is only, it's growing a lot faster than animal protein. I won't sit here and say you can't consume animal protein and have it be healthy. I mean, like you know, the whole boom in collagen, for example, seems to contradict that. But, you know, it's just where everything is moving. I think to launch a product that's not plant-based but as a protein product is sort of a 2010 strategy, not so much a 2021 mm-hmm. strategy. So honestly, like it just as it relates to the brain piece, that's probably the least impactful sort of nutritional decision in our product. You know, you're also, and again, candidly, you know, plant-based is a little harder to get a total complete profile of amino acids Pea protein, we, it's our pea protein plus almond protein are our primary protein sources. And pea protein is a complete protein, but it's, you know, you just have to be careful about getting the same amino acids you would from a, a meat-based diet. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about the story because you got a great story. You started the IQ Bar in a crowdfunding campaign, and I believe you raised around $70,000. Did you do that just on your own? Did you go through a launch company? Like, what was that process like? I had no money. Well, so I guess the reason I did it was the whole chicken or egg problem is is what I refer to it as. So basically you need in a CPG business to raise money at a decent valuation. You need sales, but you need money to produce the product, to sell the product, to get those sales. And so if you have no money, you have that chicken or egg problem. How do you create the sales to get the valuation? And so crowdfunding is a great way to do that to solve the chicken or egg problem because you can get the sales without, you know, buying up a ton of inventory because it's pre-sales. So 
it's an incredibly powerful tool in that respect. I did not use an agency. I called a bunch of people who had done crowdfunding campaigns that were Boston-based. I grabbed coffee with them. I just picked their brains. There's these guys who created a company called Rocket Book. It went on Shark Tank and it's like a you know notebook you put in the uh, microwave and it like erases the ink. And then you... <laughs> so anyway, I know the Rocket Book guys and they're, they've run many really, really successful Kickstarters. And so they were kind of my, my Sherpas, if you will, uh, through the process. And yeah, I just kind of like, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's, it's, you know, put together a good video, have a compelling story, put together a good page, put together a, a good architecture of offerings and figure out how you're going to promote the, the campaign. And the latter piece is by far the hardest because, you know, people who are sort of like in the know or entrepreneurial or whatever, they know what Kickstarter is. I mean, you'd be shocked. The vast majority of people don't or like have heard of it, but don't know what it is. Or, and so, you know, you can't just go out and like take out a bunch of Facebook ads and get a bunch of backers because it's a weird proposition. You know, you're basically saying, give me money now and in six months, I'll probably give you something. Right. It's people don't like that value proposition. Right. Unless they're a backer. There's like a certain avatar of a person who likes doing that. They like being part of their, the early adopter. And so if you market to those people, you, you know, you can have a decently high return. But anyway, the, just how do you drive eyeballs to your page is, is extraordinarily more difficult on a Kickstarter than it is for, let's say, we just launched a, a product on our website. And that was pretty easy. You have an email list, you know, you make a compelling offer out the gate. And then you start fulfilling product right away. You know, none of you can't do those things in, in Kickstarter. So it's just kind of it's it's a great mechanism to launch. It's also kind of a weird mechanism, and you have to do things differently. Yeah, I wonder. So obviously, the price point is not what maybe because I'm an early adopter in a lot of ways, and I'll buy technical gadgets a lot of times in advance. And I've probably been burned more than I've actually had them delivered to me. I wonder though, being a food product, part of me says that might be easier because the price point's lower. And then part of me says that might be harder because it's a taste item and people have no point of reference, especially in the bar space. A lot of times bars don't really taste good, especially new entry into the market I've found. What's your thoughts on that? Is it does it make it an easier a crowdfunding type thing? Just lower price point or harder because there's no taste like profile for it that anybody can, you know, resonate with? It's a good question. I think both of the things you said are true. I think people are more confident you'll you'll fulfill their order <laughs> versus like, you know, a gadget that latches onto your you know computer monitor or something like that, which like has a pretty low rate of successful fulfillment. But to your point, you know, people want to try before they buy. There's a reason Costco has sampling on every other aisle. It works and people want to try before they buy. So, you know, I think you just want to get a compelling enough price point where someone's willing to say, if this is a total wash and I eat the first bar and I hate it, it's not that big a deal to toss the box. You know, and that price point is is like in the sub thirty dollar range for a lot of people. You know, they're willing to make a bet on a new thing, but you also want to have like a teaser offering, and this is true for non crowdfunding too. 
Um, so in effect, you're, how do you lower the barriers to trial and get as close to a, a digital sampling as possible? And so we've tried a, t- a ton of different things in that regard. But on the Kickstarter, I mean, we, we had a really low priced option. So, you know, that, that's the best way basically to do it digitally. Um, have a teaser option, have a, have a sampler option. But um, yeah, I mean, you will just get people who are like, I, I don't want to try, you know, I want to try before I buy. And so I'm not going to shell out X amount of money. But again, your early adopters are kind of like, they'll get over that hump. They're not typically the really nitpicky, like, like they're more excited by the proposition than apprehensive about the, something like taste. Right. What about taste profiles? I'm curious, how do you find the right combination of something that tastes good, but it also has the health benefits? It, was that a challenge? Has that, is that a challenge? Has that been a challenge in finding the right taste profile? Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly difficult because we produce products with no sugar in them effectively. You know, you're, you're talking like one gram at most two grams, which is a coming from basically the nuts, you know? Because uh, nuts have a small amount of sugar in them. And if you're a nut-based bar, you're going to have a gram of sugar in your bar. So effectively, like no, like no, no one's sprinkling granulated sugar in this stuff. So that's incredibly difficult to make that taste good because we're so trained, our palates are so trained for, in the bar space in particular, sweet things, um, sweet and salty. So, you know, that's just really tough. You have to, you have to get that sweetness through some other analog. So fiber, for example, is sweet, but doesn't add to net carbohydrates or the sugar count. And, you know, stevia, you know, there's stevia and monk fruit are really the high intensity sweeteners that are of choice that most, most folks use. If, if you're not trying to be quote unquote clean label, I mean, sucralose is your best bet by far. It tastes phenomenal. And, um, you know, there's a reason Monster Energy drink and a zillion other, you know, basically every energy drink uses it. It tastes phenomenal uh, for their zero sugar offerings. You know, we make things even more difficult for ourselves and try and maintain a, a clean, clean label, which, you know, you're getting into the pseudoscience there a bit. There's really no evidence sucralose is bad for you, but this is where you get, this is why it's an interesting world I live in. It's like you battle with people who aren't necessarily the, like, adhering to the true science of nutrition, but they have, there's adhering to some more emotional forces, let's say. So anyway, so we have to do it with basically like fiber and, and stevia. And it's just, it's, it's very tough. It's, it's impossible to perfectly mimic, you know, a Snickers bar or whatever, sure, sure. you know, something high in sugar. So the question is how, how close can you get? And people are more and more willing, you know, in the nineties or whatever, People were not willing to sacrifice taste for for health. They just weren't. I mean, we were all guzzling Coca-Cola and Slurpees and eating Captain Crunch. I was at least. Thankfully, that's not the case today. So people are willing to trade off like, is this the most delicious thing I've ever had for, you know, health? If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. 
Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. Thankfully, that's not the case today. So people are willing to trade off like, is this the most delicious thing I've ever had for, you know, health? Yeah. I think as a consumer on the other side of the fence, it's true. We're willing to sacrifice some flavor, but I think there's always this constant, how close can I get to something that really tastes good, but also has the benefit. So it's like, you're kind of after that eternal, you know, looking for that perfect product, or at least that's how my mind works when I'm buying something new. How close is it going to be to the perfect taste? Although I'm cognizant, I'm going to give up some, some perfection, I guess I'll say, but I'm always hoping and, and maybe it's not even possible, but I'm always hoping that there's some combination there. Like protein powders, I tend to take plant-based protein powders. And because of pea protein, it's really hard to mimic anything or at least anything I've found that actually tastes good and it has a clean label. And isn't gritty, right? It isn't gritty, right, right. Yeah, so there's a lot of trade-offs and I agree with you on that. What do you think in terms of starting your business and where you've gotten today? Because now you're on... I think well over 4,000, well over 4,000 CVS stores. Sounds like you're really getting some fuel to your brand. What's been some of the big challenges along the way and and challenges ahead? I mean, endless. (laughs) Like all the challenges any business has for sure, which is like getting money, hiring good people, creating a great product. You know, I had no background in food or food science or manufacturing. All of that I had to learn over years of trial and error. So, you know, stuff just going wrong on the manufacturing floor. You know, we've had just some total nightmare scenarios. Wrappers didn't seal. Uh, We had to shut down the production line, had to rush order new wrappers. Like just talk, if you talk to anyone in manufacturing, they'll have about 10 10 horror stories for you. But, you know, oh, and (laughs) I mean, we're also living through the most epic supply chain struggle, certainly in my lifetime, but I think in most people's lifetimes. I mean, it is a bloodbath out there. Quick anecdote. I mean, we had, again, on the, on the wrapper front, we sourced, wrap, sourced uh, wrappers from abroad and they came into the LA port. We ordered them, I think in April, they came into the LA port. They sat in the LA port for, I think, a full month. Even after they had gotten there, they get on a train, goes into Chicago, they get to the Chicago rail yard and we didn't get them until basically November 1st. So from like May to November, they just sat in the rail yard and we, you know, we would email, like, there's nothing you can do to yeah. like you plus 5,000 other brands are constantly calling and emailing there's literally nothing you can do. There's three million wrappers just sitting there. And so, and of course, the lead time now to like replace them is 3x what it used to be. So it's like you're getting it from every angle. I don't, it's, it's very hard to just, just to just run your business, just like create product and get it where it needs to go, let alone, you know, perfect your marketing strategy and your go-to-market strategy and blah, 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 blah. Like just, just existing now is incredibly difficult. So, I mean, challenges that all of those, 
know, that dynamic comes top of mind. So, you know, we, you just have to sort of, I mean, this is the new normal. It's not going away. It's There's zero signs it's getting better. We just saw yesterday the Omicron uh, variant out of South Africa, like that will make its way to the U.S. Supply chain may even get worse before it gets better, given we're actually in a pretty bad spot COVID-wise, globally speaking. So, you know, it's going to be survival of the fittest out there in terms right. of, of CPG brands and manufacturing brands and who can maintain their supply chain, who can keep product churning. And But I most of my struggles of late are just getting inputs to where they need to be and getting stuff made. Yeah. I, uh, you know, speaking of packaging from a consumer standpoint, you kind of just expect it to be. And I've oftentimes will products I buy and you'll read the reviews and people, you know, complain from a variation of it's not eco-friendly to it doesn't come off easily to, you know, it doesn't preserve the product. Just all these things that you wouldn't really even think of our standards in terms of consumers, what we expect is really super high. So I could imagine when you had it sticking to the bar, that that must have been just uh, gut-wrenching to go through. Yeah. I mean, and then you have like a hundred or like 200,000 of something that you're like, you know, someone's going to complain about, you know? Yeah, so right, right. <laughs> what do you do? You can't, yeah. you also have no money. You can't, right. like, there's no do-over. Right. So it's tough, man. It's, it's, it's why... CPG is so tough and is so the failure rate is so high and it's still so dominated by large, large, large brands. But I truly believe all these hard knocks you're experiencing, you know, they're obviously growing pains and they don't feel good while they're happening, but you get through them and it's knowledge. It's what builds the value of your business, right? It's all this knowledge you're gaining, all this awareness to do it better each time. Like you said, you just rolled out a new product on your website. You had to skip the whole part of the hard part of your first product in terms of finding an audience. Now you have one. And I think, you know, it sounds like you're making a lot of inroads in terms of getting past some of those challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, yeah, it's always like, you pick up your head and you realize how far you've come right. uh, in the moment. It never feels like that, but um, it's a, like, I always quote this quote by Greg Lamond, the cyclist, American cyclist who won the tour de France. He, he said, it never gets easier. You just go faster. <laughs> so like, basically you always feel like it's just as hard, but you don't realize you're now moving three times faster than you were six months ago. But you still, it's still just as hard as it was six months ago. But so I think that's like so true. You're just, you'll always take yourself to the max level of like stress and challenge, but you're just so much better than you used to be. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, you kind of tipped your hand a little bit, but I'd just be curious five years from now, where do you see your company going? It sounds like you're trying to go from start, start our morning with your products and go all the way to dinner time is what I think you're going to say. Yeah. You know, it's a question of like, how do we reach everyone? Basically, you'll never get there, but how do you come as close as possible? Some people don't like bars, for instance. And so how do you reach those people? And so I just want to be able to reach everyone through some mechanism, some, some need throughout their day. So 
everything we launch needs to tick a bunch of boxes. So one of them is a big one is it's non-cannibalizing. In other words, for our, our second product line, hydration mixes, you're never going to drink a hydration beverage instead of a bar. It's, it's, it's entirely additive. And so how do we keep rolling out non-cannibalizing, totally additive offerings such that uh, we encompass the preferences of, let's say, everyone? And so, you know, if we roll out like a bar and a hydration mix and, you know, let's say an instant coffee and let's say a sleep gummy, right, at some point, pretty much everyone will consume one of those things. And so we, we want to be able to reach everyone with brain and body nutrition through some mechanism. So that, that's the goal. And we want to be the, the sort of leader in brain and body uh, CPG solutions that are, that are cost effective, that are, that are affordable, which is actually a really important one. If you look at a lot of these functional food offerings, they're super expensive. I mean, they price themselves out of the mass market, you know, purposely. Right, right. And we want to live squarely in the mass market. We want to be able to sell everything we we make at stores every day people go to, you know, Kroger, Walmart, et cetera, as well as the, you know, quote unquote biohackers or the people who really nerd out on nutrition. I'm, I'm just not interested in things that aren't really scalable. Mm-hmm. So that's really tough because you have to create things that are such a, a, you know, you can depress your your cost of goods enough such that you can offer a price point that will be competitive on a Walmart shelf while also having a different differentiated, you know, great product. But then you're kind of back to quantity, supply constraints. And so you're just this constant like balancing probably of keeping a healthy price point but then being able to meet the demand through you know proper supply channels so it's just probably this constant like balancing act especially in our times right now yeah and just staying in business you know yeah we do still lose money as a company for instance so like how do you stay in business if you lose money? you know you're always chasing profitability and we're pretty darn close but you know you also have to you have to have a certain gross margin and then you have to if you can't get there you're going to need a lifeline, you know, you're going to need venture capital funding or angel funding or whatever and uh, to keep you moving along. So, yeah, it's a constant struggle. Are there um, angel investors? I imagine there are angel investors that focus around this bar category or healthy products category. I imagine there are some that niche in these spaces. Do you, do you know of any? Yeah, yeah. Then not so much the bar space because that's like ultra niche, but Okay. Definitely healthy food. And even within healthy food, like plant-based food um, or vegan food or slash beverage, no one really like, very few people are like only food or only beverage, but you know, they're a hundred percent are. Got it. It's not a huge amount, you know, they have, cause you know, they have to have a lot of money and they have to be really interested in it. And, but there certainly are, interestingly, most of our angel investors were not like serial food and Bev investors. Some are, but, um, you know, most are folks who are betting on, you know, me, honestly, for better or worse <laughs> and believe in the, the product and the vision, but they're not, they're not going out and writing 10 other checks to other food companies. Right. They're writing checks to a whole litany of, of other, uh, product types. 
Very interesting. Hey, a couple fun questions to wrap up. A book. Are you reading a book or do you have one that you've liked that you can recommend? Yeah. I really like Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh yeah, that's a good one. It's kind of, it's kind of like ruthless, but I, it resonates with me. We're, you know, we're very, I think honesty and straightforwardness is really the only path in the entrepreneurial world. Like you don't have time to talk about your feelings a lot and you'll never survive if you're doing it that way, at least in the CPG world, everyone has to be really straightforward, give really direct feedback or else you're never going to move at the pace you need to, to succeed. So I I really recommend that book. Another kind of more lighthearted, funny, semi-satirical one is uh, How to Get Rich by Felix Dennis. Kind of a random book. Uh, An old coworker recommended it to me. It's the guy who started Maxim Magazine. Really funny, irreverent British guy. Super successful business-wise. And uh, those would be the two. Yeah, those are good ones. Hey, I got one last question for you. In terms of uh, some type of life tip or business tip, can you give us something that we can apply either to our business life or our personal life? You got anything off the top of your head? Let's see. Make sure your personal life is right Mm -hmm. or slash compatible with your chosen business path because you don't want to be the guy or gal who you know, is successful in, in your business endeavors and then everything else is broken. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's just not sustainable. And even if it was, it's not desirable. So for instance, I work with my fiance and some people would say that's <laughs> fraught with peril, but it's worked incredibly well. I don't, I don't think it's super contextual. I think it can work really well and it can work terribly. So, but just like, make sure you figure out your life style in parallel with your business ambitions. So don't live beyond your means. Like don't, you know, again, in uh, how to get rich by Felix Dennis, he talks about like all his friends were getting, you know, jobs at banks or whatever, and going out and to the pub and having pints. And he could never afford to do that because he had no money because he was starting this uh, newspaper slash magazine company. And at some point he just had to accept that he was kind of going to let those friends go temporarily. And you you just have to make personal life decisions like that and be willing to do that if you want to succeed. And um, I think a lot of people aren't, they don't, they they can never really give that lifestyle thing up and there, and it really hurts them um, business-wise. Yeah, that's a good one. It's funny on speaking of like personal relationships, marriages, fiancés. I find some of my clients have very synergistic relationships with their partners. And then other ones, it's like, I just don't bring it home. And I'm always fascinated how there's like these wide spectrums from, you know, totally synergistic relationship where you guys work together to the opposite end where it's like, I just don't even want to bring it home. It's just, it causes fights and friction. So that's interesting. Uh, I agree with you. They have to be aligned in whatever works for that individual. It may not be bringing it home. It may be synergistic, but it's got to match. It's got to fit. A hundred percent. And I think some people can bring it home and some can't. Right. Sort of depends on your your personality and your spouse's personality. Right. That's a good point. Hey, so I'll put this in the show notes at thinktyler.com, but your website is eatiqbar.com. Once again, that's eatiqbar.com. By the way, I have my order in from Amazon. I'm supposed to get it uh, here, I think today or tomorrow. I'll I'll let you know how that goes. Awesome. I'm excited to try it. And uh, is there anywhere else you'd like the audience to go if they wanted to reach out to you, whether it be for partnership relationships or whatever? 
Uh, you can just email me at will at eatiqbar.com. Just W-I-L-L at eatiqbar.com. No, I'm not personally super active on social media, to be honest with you, but uh, our handles are at eatiqbar on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. But no, I mean, reaching out directly to me is, is the best way to get a hold of me. And yeah, yeah, we're on Amazon as well. We're in Walmart, Kroger, Sprouts, Wegmans, Rite Aid, CVS. So uh, yeah, give us a try. Well, that's an awesome accomplishment to be in all those places. So good luck with your wedding coming up soon. You guys have picked an interesting day to do it. So it's a good luck with that. And thanks for sharing your knowledge on the show. It's been a great show and I really appreciate it having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Will. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electric acid.